how do you know what content in what format on what social network should you be publishing less or more of? What content gets more or less engagement? Stay tuned because for the first time ever, I'm going to introduce to you my system. Hey, everybody, Neil Schaefer. Welcome to the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Hope you're having an awesome day. This is my first solo episode of Q4. I'm really happy to finally get some closure, not to say that I'm done with the book because I'm still talking a lot about the age of influence. And if you haven't bought it, uh, you owe it to yourself to purchase a copy as soon as you finish listening. To this. Oh, you know what? Just put a pause in the podcast and buy a copy. I- I'm just joking. But anyway, as I move on to my next book and really you know, sharing a content with you, not just about influencer marketing, obviously, but this concept of digital influence and how it applies to everything you do in digital and social media marketing. So today... I'm going to be talking about, and I mentioned this briefly, I think, in previous podcast, of the notion of a regular audit or process. And before I do this, and it's going to be about content, I think you're going to get a lot out of this because I I shared this in someone else's podcast today, and uh, I think it feedback was good. I think it has a lot of value. So before we get to that, for those of you that don't know me, uh, every once in a while, I like to introduce myself because with every episode, I seem to get some new users. So my name is Neil Schaefer. I am a digital and social media marketing author, consultant, college educator. I, I teach uh, executives at, at two universities. And I work with a lot of companies as primarily as a consultant. And in fact, I'd say since coronavirus, um, I've been working with more and more companies as a fractional CMO or outsourced CMO or you know, fractional marketing resource. And what this means is that companies big and small that want to tap into my expertise, bring me in-house where I work together with their team. This is all done virtually now with coronavirus. And I help them with a variety of marketing initiatives, whether they're a startup, whether they want to start a new channel, whether they want to completely revamp what they're doing. Maybe they want to get a separate uh, set of eyes. Maybe they want their employees to be trained, whatever it is, I help from a one to eight hour a week basis. And I just want to let you know, I know a lot of you listen and may be thinking, hmm, how can Neil help our business? Uh, That is what I do. And if that is something where you think you want a little bit of extra help, you want to bring in an extra pair of hands and you want to tap into my expertise, I would love to hear from you. Like I said, one to eight hours a week, my minimum contract term is three months. But I think even for one hour a week for three months, we can get a lot done for not a lot of investment. All right, that's my pitch for today. Let's move on to the content. Now, let me first talk about what prompted me to create the system that I'm going to talk about now. Now, my situation is very, very unique, but I publish a lot of content, right? I have podcast episodes. I have blog content. I have social media content. I probably publish, I don't know, 10 or 20 times on Twitter alone. So, and that's per day, obviously. So my needs might be a little bit different than your needs, but this is specifically in reference to my blog. So my blog, I I talk about categorizing content. I think if you can put your content into different content buckets, a concept I talked about way back in 2013 and maximize your social, but really the notion of having an Instagram grid and defining every nine posts or every six posts or every three posts or every other post, what the design is going to look like, what the subject matter is going to be. It's the same as blog categories. It's the same as having different category cues 
in your Buffer or Agora Pulse or whatever Hootsuite, whatever social media tool you use. But it really comes down to no matter what business you are, you have various products or services, you have various demographics, various needs, various solutions, and you can organize your content into these different buckets, these different categories of content. For some, it might be based around your product, others demographics, whatever it is, there is a way to categorize your content and use that as a way to stay consistent. So the example I give, and I teach this at Rutgers Business School, we have this whole sort of workshop based around this where we take a 15 minute break and I have all the students go through the exercise. You know, I am a landscape company. And right now, half of my sales come from uh, residential, right? For people that actually hire my company to do landscape work, or maybe they buy, you know, landscape equipment, or maybe they buy trees from me. And the other half is commercial. So these are like office buildings, industrial complexes. So right now, sales are half and half. My marketing strategy, though, is dictating that consumer demand is booming. We get higher higher average value per order, even though the, or higher profit per order, whatever, right? For whatever reason, the marketing strategy dictates that over the next year, we want to double our residential sales. And we want to keep our, our commercial sales and we want to increase them, but we want to have a double of residential sales of our landscaping services. What this means now is a year from now, if things go right, if we have $100 or $100 million of sales in residential and 100 in commercial, what we want to do is we want to have a $300 million company where 200 million is residential, 100 million is commercial. And therefore, two thirds of our content should be geared towards residential and one third towards commercial. The content should be aligned with your marketing strategy, with your products and services. And then within the residential, I mean, there's obviously a lot of different topics we can talk about. There's softscape, there's hardscape. Within the softscape, there's trees, there's flowers, there's evergreens, there's perennials. I mean, you get the point. You can splice and dice this until you have this very intricate collection of, of content buckets, which then defines how frequently you publish what type of content. And what happens when you begin with this process is, over the course of time, if you go back, you're going to realize that some categories perform better on some networks than others. On Instagram, it's probably going to be all about the residential. Maybe on LinkedIn, it's the commercial content, that one third of commercial content that generates 90% of the traffic, right? On the blog, it's hard to say. It could go either way. But when you have that data, you now begin to have a data-driven content strategy because you can base your future editorial calendar off of those content categories that are converting well for whatever KPI you use to determine if it's web traffic, is it inquiry, is it actual sale, we can now begin to see what content is driving what traffic, which leads to what business, right? So this is part of a process that I'm going to begin doing on a quarterly basis. And right now, it's the beginning of Q4, which is why I bring this up. So let me tell you what I did just to give you an idea of the thought process. Now, this is my formula. You don't have to you know, copy it, but I'm hoping that by doing this, it's going to give you some ideas. This is especially applicable if you have a lot of blog posts under your belt. I have more than 400 blog posts. I, at one point on neilshafer.com, had like 1,600 blog posts, right? And I already talked about, I, I'm forgetting the episode number. I'm going to talk about that. I'll put it in the show notes, but I already had an episode where I went through why I weeded out and started pruning that content on my website. And I will urge you, if you're interested in that process, to listen to that podcast episode. But basically, on my website, I have maybe 19 content categories. Now, the content, as you can imagine, it covers social and 
you know, digital and social media marketing. But the content, I'd say I have 11 main categories. These are things like blogging, content marketing, email marketing, and then things like, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. So for each one of these, what I did first was, and, and what prompted me to do this, not just this fact that I want to do a quarterly audit, I want to be able to do my own experimentation to see if I double the frequency at which I publish on LinkedIn, will that double the traffic? Will it triple the traffic? Or will there be no gain in traffic, right? I want to be able to manipulate my own content publication, just like I, I want to drink my own medicine because this is what I'm recommending my clients. So it all began with a guest blogger application. Now, I take guest bloggers on neilshafer.com. And several years ago, when I had the website Maximize Social Business, a lot of just organic bloggers and thought leaders reached out to me and they wanted to blog. I had Jen Herman, who is one of the world's leading Instagram experts. I had Peg Fitzpatrick, another obvious, you know, Instagram, Pinterest, visual marketing expert, Mark Traphagen, who at the time might've been the premier expert on Google Plus. He's still, you know, one of the handful of top SEO experts in the country, in the world, I should say. So I've had a number of amazing, Rebecca Rattis, a number of amazing thought leaders that have blogged for me. But, you know, more and more recently, there's a lot of people who want to blog as part of the influencer marketing aspect of trying to get a backlink back to their blog. And a lot of people who aren't really experts but will get money if they can get a link back to their client's website from my blog. And I think if you know what I'm talking about, you're nodding your head. This is actually the subject of another podcast episode, which I know I've been promising you all about backlink creation. And that's, we're going to talk about that later, but I'm glad to bring it up in this episode. So I had someone else reach out to me and he said, Neil, I want to blog on your site. I'll do, I'm going to follow all your recommendations. I know it's not a one night stand. I, I will commit to blogging every other month for a year, which is the requirement I have. And I also ask, what are you an expert in? And show me the links that show that you're an expert in that subject, right? So he's like, I want to do content marketing. Now, a lot of these people that I don't really know, but their content is decent, tend to request to be in that content marketing category. And what I've realized is that my own blog, I have been strategically, you know, my own content's my strategic content. My own content allows me to obviously sculpt the balance between content on my website, which then hopefully sculpts my authority with Google by showing that I'm an expert, obviously, in the subjects that I tend to blog a lot about. That's, Google's like, oh, okay, now you have a lot more about influencer marketing. You're now on our radar as an expert in influencer marketing because of all the content you've published in the subject. And obviously, my blog started off as primarily LinkedIn. So that's changed over time. But what's interesting is that even though I've been pruning my site, and I now I do that as part of a monthly process when you listen to that episode that I'm going to share with you in the show notes, when I looked at my ratio today, I realized that the number one category of published content more than any other category was content marketing, right? And when I looked at the number of bloggers I have that cover that, now I have bloggers that cover things like blogging, Instagram marketing, influencer marketing, et cetera, et cetera. But no one, I don't have nearly as many bloggers as I do that cover this general concept of content marketing. Seven different bloggers. You can imagine over time, that's a lot of content. And you know, even though I'm trying to obviously push my influencer marketing content and I'm blogging every week on it, there's still way more content about content marketing, right? Now, what's also interesting is every content category is also going to be very, very different in terms of its competition. There are a lot, a lot of websites that blog about content and content marketing. 
There are content marketing experts. There are content marketing agencies. There are content marketing tools companies, right? So the first thing I looked at was, okay, I have a lot of people that blog about content marketing. When I go into, you know that I use SEMrush. They are my preferred tool, but you should use a ranking tool to see where you rank on Google for those keywords that are strategic to your company. And every blog post has a target keyword that I put in, in Yoast SEO and that, that determines you know the, the keyword based on keyword research in SEMrush, target keyword in Yoast SEO, optimized around that keyword. And then I put that keyword as part of a monthly task. I go into all the past month uh, blog posts and I put that keyword in SEMrush and say, okay, we targeted this keyword. We created SEO optimized content around this keyword. How are we performing? So stick with me, okay? So now I go in on my SEM rush, I'm tagging each of these keywords according to the category of content on my blog. So in SEM rush, I have for the keywords, I basically have them tagged the same category. So I go into the content marketing category and I go, okay, I want to rank in the top 100 for every keyword on every blog post. That is my goal. Guess what? I'm almost halfway there, actually. So um, out of, you know, 400 plus blog posts, I'm, I'm getting better and better. I'm, hopefully I'm building more authority, but there's a heck of a lot of competition. And I talk about, you know, on a podcast on YouTube, it's a lot easier for content creators to compete with brands because so few brands get it and do it. But a blog is something that brands can become more influential. They just have more resources to pour into buying content, buying SEO services and what have you. Um, I'm digressing a little bit here, but of those blog posts that I have in content marketing, I noticed that of those keywords that I'm targeting, very few rank in the top 100. Now I have, I'd say that maybe 20% of those keywords rank in the top, meaning it's the 80-20 rule working against the 80% don't even rank. I look at other categories where two-thirds of the keywords for that category rank in the top 100. That, to me, is really good. So I'm already getting a feeling that, you know, for some reason, content marketing isn't working. A lot of competition. Maybe the content is... I know that I have some excellent writers on my on my website, but for whatever reason, it's not generating the engagement. It's not generating the views. All of my content shared equally in social media. But for whatever reason, Google is not taking a liking to it. And I think it's it's competition is a lot of it. So then I look into not only how many keywords are in the top 100, but SEMrush gives me a visibility KPI. So if every one of those keywords for that category ranked number one on Google, I would get a 100% KPI or, or, or visibility index ranking. If I don't rank on any of them, I'd get a 0%. For content marketing, it was the well. It wasn't the lowest. Okay, it was under one percent. Where my highest category, I am over four percent. And if you have branded content, like you know, name of your company, name of your product, you're probably going to be between fifty and hundred percent, right? So uh, it's okay having a low percentage. It's on par with a lot of my competitors. So then what I did was I went to Google Analytics, and whenever I create a URL, I include the target keyword as part of the URL, which allows me to go in. And if I used Google Tag Manager, I could do the same thing, but it allows me to go into Google Analytics and look at all my traffic from over the course of a year and do a search by those keywords, by the category names, and see how much traffic I generate from each of those categories. So that is sort of my background work that I did. Number of posts per category, number of posts in that category that rank in the top 100, 
according to SEMrush, well, uh, according to Google, my visibility index ratio, which is automatically calculated in SEMrush per category, and then the amount of traffic that that uh, category has sent or has delivered or has brought over the course of the year. So then I take it one step further. So now I said, okay, what is the percentage of posts that rank in the top 100? So as I said, for content marketing, it was 21.6%. It was by far the lowest. My highest was 93%, which is awesome, right? And I want to get to 100%, obviously. So that's very low. I then, obviously, that visibility index becomes another metric. That's metric number two. Metric number three was, okay, out of the entire website traffic, what percent am I getting from each one of these categories? Um, My highest category which actually I published the second least number of posts came from my highest second, the category where I published the second least number of posts actually generated the most traffic over other categories that I published two, three, four, five X times on. So that's another metric. And even though I published the most on content marketing, it was not in my top five or even six. I think I got a, let me see here. I got a number eight ranking out of 11 in terms of how much traffic it generated. Then I took it one step further and I looked at how much traffic per post year to date did a single blog post from a single category generate. So now I have four metrics, four KPIs, right? Beginning with percentage of content appearing in the top 100 search results. This gives me an indication that I'm going to continue to get long-term traffic from search engines. And that is the number one source of traffic for my site as it is for many sites. I then looked at a visibility index. If the visibility index is going up, it means that over time, I should continue to get a lot of traffic. If it's very low, it's gonna be harder to work my way up to get more traffic. I then looked at, well, those are search engine KPIs. Then I looked at actual KPIs in terms of the percentage of traffic. So it's comparing to other categories and then the traffic per post per category. I then took these four metrics. I ranked each of these from one to 11. And lo and behold, I had eight categories that performed decent, well, from from really great to average, and I had three really underperforming categories. Now, two of these underperforming categories, one is very strategic, so I'm going to keep doing it, and I'm going to revise posts and revise their date stamp, and over they're, they're strategically important that I want to keep doing them, so that doesn't phase me. Another one, I never had a lot of content in the category, and I currently don't have a lot, I currently don't have a blogger that blogs about it. And it's not something I blog a lot about either. So I can accept that. But the other one was content marketing. So this led me to go back to my website, to my blogger application page, and say, I am no longer interested in people blogging about content marketing. I have enough. Let's have other content categories have the same amount of content as content marketing has, and let's see how they perform. And for some of these high-performing categories, boy, Google's telling me that I have a lot of authority in them. I got to create more content around them. So this is where we bring this all together. And imagine, this is my first quarter doing this. I'm going to do this every quarter from now on. And this is going to dictate my content strategy for the following quarter. Now, this is just my blog. So this is going to inform me the content that I should be creating more out of. Especially because, you know, my strategic focus the last six months, as you know, has been influencer marketing with the age of influence. But at a certain point in time, I'm going to have all the library of content that I need for that category. Sure, I'll be spending more time revising, but when I want to look at another category to conquer, I'm going to use these KPIs to give me guidance. And I think that's going to add to increased website traffic over time for every new blog post that I publish. 
So that's how we use the process, the audit, the data-driven approach to our content strategy. Now, I only looked at website traffic. If you are e-commerce or if you track leads coming from your website, you can absolutely use a different KPI. You can add, I mean, website traffic is one KPI. You can add conversion amount. You could add average average sale per order. You can add average inquiry per post, average email subscription per post. For me right now, it's just website traffic because my business is mainly B2B, not B2C. And it's about quality, not quantity. But I want to expose my content to as many people as I can and therefore traffic. For you, it might be different. So whatever metric it is, I believe that's a system that will give you a really, really good feel. (laughs) I was trying to enunciate that, that I wasn't like dying here. (laughs) My throat is still here. But it gives you a really, really good feel as to what content you should be publishing more of, less of, how you should pivot. You only get here until you have a minimum number of content. You, You know, if you only have five blog posts published, you don't have enough data to support this. So I know it may not be appropriate to everybody, but hopefully the next piece of advice will be appropriate to everybody because now we can replicate this in any given social network. And now I have someone doing this for my Twitter, right? So if I publish, how do we, how do we approach social media with the same concept? Well, last 90 days, if I've published, say, 20 tweets a day, that's 600 tweets a month, That's 1,800 tweets over the last 90 days. So I'm going to go to Twitter analytics. I'm going to download that sheet. Usually I categorize content I share on Twitter by hashtag. So I'll have a hashtag for blogging, for email marketing. I also have my podcast episodes. Some have hashtags, some don't. I have, you know, my age of influence graphics that I publish to, you know, keep the word out about my book. So the categories here, some might be podcast, some might be book, but the others are going to be based on this same nomenclature of categories. I can be doing the same thing. Here, just to make it easier from a data perspective, I might take the top 50 and the bottom 50, right? Or, you know, the top 100, bottom 100, or maybe those that got no likes or clicks, is there a trend in them? If I do a breakdown by category, what do I see? Is there one category that is laying the biggest, you know, goose eggs or or zeros for any one of those metrics I'm tracking? What categories are those coming from? On the other hand, where am I getting successes? What are the categories where I get the highest, you know, uh, link clicks per av- uh, uh, per tweet, what have you? And if I was to do this for all 1,800 tweets, it would be more statistically accurate. But if you don't want to go that far into the, into the woods or you know into the weeds, you don't need to. Uh, we can start with just the top 50, bottom 50, top 10. You know, however many you want to do. The more you do, the more statistically accurate it's going to be. But this should then give you a feel as to, huh, you know, I'm, I'm publishing more on this category than any others. It's just not performing. Maybe I should just not share anything from this category anymore. Maybe I should tweet less. Maybe I should tweet more. If all of my tweets are getting at one, at least one link click, that's amazing. Why don't I try to tweet more and see if I can, if I tweeted 25% more in Q4, is that going to generate 25% more website traffic or less? And how is it going to affect the different categories? So when you have that mindset, when you have the process, when you do the audit, and obviously you have to have the content and be active on social media for this to work, you can begin to craft a really, really great data-driven system to optimize your content for whatever metrics you want to follow. And you know, I didn't read about this somewhere. This is just something that to me just made a lot of sense. I Sometimes I'll read blog posts and listen to podcasts. It's like, why... 
why does no one ever mention this stuff? So <laughs> if this is the first time you're here and join, join the club, but I wanted to share with you, you know, part of this podcast is, as you know, this is where I share my best content. This is where before I blog or, or I even speak, it comes out in this weekly podcast. So I always want to give you something special that hopefully you can't find anywhere else. I want you to come along with me on my journey. I want to help you become a better marketer, become a better business person, become a better entrepreneur. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Once again, if you just need a helping hand, you don't have a lot of budget, but you'd love to tap into my expertise, I'd love to help you. Feel free to reach out to me. All my contact information will be in the show notes. I, uh, as always, really appreciate all those subscriptions and all those reviews that you might have left for me on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might be listening to this podcast. And I really hope that you'll subscribe because next week is going to be a great interview with a gentleman named Philip Van Dusen, who is going to talk all about the power of networking and mastermind, especially during the coronavirus. He is a branding guru, also an amazing content creator. He, he has it all. He has the trifecta, the blog, the YouTube the podcast. He started, I believe he'll tell, talk about it, but uh, he's achieved his biggest influence on YouTube. I think you're really going to enjoy that episode. So make sure that you hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you did enjoy the podcast, I'd be honored by your review, wherever you listen to it. It really does count. It really does matter. It really does help expose this podcast to other people. So that's it for another episode of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Wherever you are in the world, make it a great virtual Social day, everybody. Bye-bye and sayonara.